Tanya's actually my much better half. This is kind of a strange one for us because we talk all the time, but never recorded. No, this is quite odd. It is a little bit odd. And obviously, we all know Paul. So um, we're all kind of happy families over here. So this is going to be probably a less formal conversation. Yeah, I was going to say something really bad. I thought maybe, is this like a digital threesome? Oh, God, no. <laughs> when Dan, I, I like how repulsed you sounded just <laughs> yeah, what, what, what's terrifying <laughs> when, um, when Dan suggested this I was like shall I sit in at my desk in the other room and he was like why would you do that I said well it might just be really weird sitting together and he was like I think it's going to be more weird if you go and sit in another room yeah so. it, would, it would have been really weird if you were in a different room entirely absolutely I think it's nice that you're really close you can almost hold hands well you can hold hands can't we, you we can we, hold hands we, kids. we could hold hands we'll save that for later right we can hold hands. <laughs> what the three of us <laughs> a digital hand hand. Hand. Oh. <laughs> uh, that's how it's getting with lockdown but you know we all need to hold hands virtually yeah, absolutely can't wait to hug hug people no it'll be nice to get out it really will be i i don't know if paul will be allowed out since um the incident Paul's been starting fights with people this week. <laughs> Come on. Drunken fights. Drunken fights with cider. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't my fault. That's all I'm saying. It wasn't my fault. It's cider, oh. is it? Cider makes you all fighty. I, I think I think any alcohol makes me a bit um, more lovey than fighty. But, you know, you've got to stand up for your space, haven't you? you people come in your, <laughs> your, your special circle. <laughs> it's worth touching on a couple of things, really. Um, Tanya's... Predominantly uh, an art teacher. Basically. Yeah, I'm, I'm an art teacher. I'm the head of an art department and academy in Kent. And you guys do photography as well as like, uh, what's the one with the... Graphics. Graphics. Art. Textiles. Textiles. Textiles was the word I was looking for. Textiles. Yeah, so, we yeah. have a massive art department. You would almost yeah. think that you two don't know each other. You would think. When he said to me about doing this, and I'd originally said no, and then I'd said to him... I worded it really badly and I just said, oh, I said, I'm coming around to the idea of talking to you. And he just laughed. He said, yeah, that'd be really nice. It's been a really odd 17 years. <laughs> <laughs> I spent the whole lot not being spoken to, Paul. You wouldn't believe what it's like. Oh, I get it, Dan. I get it, mate. In the end, you just use hand signals on you, you know. And... Yeah. It's not that sort of hand signal that I'm getting most of the time, to be honest with you, Paul. Boom, boom. They're a bit more brief than We that. are on fire. We're like Ant and Deck. I tell you. I don't know which one's which. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> oh, God. It's going terribly already. What's it been like for the last 12 months without being in the school and sort of trying to teach the kids virtually? Really tough. Um, I think the majority of teachers we teach because we love working with young people and... I think just personally for us, it's been really difficult dealing with the same sort of stresses and problems that everyone else is dealing with, but adding in the fact that we know that all the children that we care about are struggling, are not having the access to resources that they'd have at school, are isolated from their friends, from their teachers. In some cases, their home lives aren't great. And knowing that in the first lockdown, kind of, there was some homeschooling, there was some online work, but not that much they were kind of just aimless for a few months and then thrown back into school in September which was ridiculously exciting I think for me um and everyone I work with just getting to see the kids and kind of see how they're doing and sort of gradually get back to normal we spent September to December in school and we were really lucky compared to a lot of school we had quite low absence it was all quite well managed. Kids didn't miss that much time, but then they were thrown back into this lockdown, the most recent one. And I think they have really struggled. And I think we've really struggled 
there's been a lot more pressure on the remote learning. There's been a lot more pressure on particularly the older kids where they are anxious and worried all the time every, anyway, but they've been kind of not knowing what their exams will look like, not knowing kind of what counts towards final grades, what doesn't count. Um, so on top of all the general stress, we've got that stress of are the kids okay and how can we make it better? You guys don't know either, right? No, I mean, we didn't know till quite late on. So there were a lot of Teams lessons with kids where they would ask me, Miss, what, what are we doing? What about the coursework? What about exams? And I'd just be saying, guys, look, I, you will know the second I know. Like, I'm not keeping anything from you. I just don't know it yet. It's got to be insanely tough. Not only is it insanely tough for you guys teaching, but it's probably insanely tough for the parents as well. I know, Paul, you got kids. Yeah, yeah. I did, I did the first 10 weeks with my daughter and my son in the first lockdown number one. And, um, yeah, I was broken by, I, I honestly was broken by the end of it because I've got an eight year old and a four year old. And like the first week I was really enthusiastic saying, yeah, we can do this. We didn't have any like Zoom lessons. It was just literally a, you picked up a pack from the school and you worked through it. So I had two different packs for two different children. And I'd, obviously I had to focus on the four-year-old really um, because Rosa was eight and she was quite able to do, well, at least I thought she was able to manage herself. But as as the weeks progressed, I realised Rosa kind of wanted to do what I was doing with Wilf and she would get frustrated that she couldn't get involved because it was more fun activities, you know. Mm. Um, and it, it got to the point where she would, she'd just come down in the morning and she'd be really frustrated that... I wasn't giving her enough of my attention and we'd we'd have a falling out then she'd get a little bit angry and she'd sit on the sofa mum would be upstairs working because she's working full-time you know really partner in a law firm so she's really busy um and and that was it I could not there was like there was no way I could try to get Rosa to come back to the desk and finish her work and like I went through that for weeks that was like and it really broke me you know it was like in the end, in the end, we kind of came to a compromise. So we'd work, we'd get the work, as much work as I could get out of her in the mornings. And then every afternoon, I'd take them for a walk and we'd walk the Wandle Trail. And it was like, because the weather was so good, right? First lockdown, mm. it was amazing. Yeah. And, um, but it was tough. It was really, really, like, I, I don't think I've had a tougher experience in my life. And I mean that, like, I think it's, because my my daughter is quite a strong character. She's She knows, you know, she's, She's, you know, she wants to be prime minister. That's what she keeps telling everybody. <laughs> I don't. And, and like, I've always, my, like, as a dad, since, since Rosa's been born, Rosa's always been quite single-minded, okay? So she's always been focused on what Rosa wants to do. And my mission has always been to try and soften her, to, 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 to make her realise that she's, you know, she's one human being in a planet of a billion and that, you know, yes, your thoughts are important, but they're not the most important thoughts. And, and trying to get that message across to her, Continually, always, 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 always. I, I do. I, I think I gained a whole new level of respect for how difficult your job is. I mean, I mean, I, we're lucky in a way. We, we, we're quite wealthy. We have a nice house for the children who don't have computers, and mm. they come from. You know, I, I, it just makes me quiver with the thought of like mum, single parents with multiple children and trying to how how do you even you know how I I, mm. I think it's almost impossible what we asked we were asked to do you know and I think. I think we should really celebrate the fact that we actually managed to get through it. And, and yeah, we, 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 we had problems along the way. There were issues, but, but we still come out the other side, you know, I think stronger. I think that's the thing. If you, if you did manage to get through it, it's yeah, almost this sense of you've climbed a mountain, you know, it's mm. like, okay, whatever we go through from, from your own end can't be as bad as that. <laughs> Just logistically, one of the weird things that, I mean, Art's quite difficult to set remote learning for anyway, but we had to plan things that basically just required pen and pencil um, and paper. You'd get kids that don't have paper and you think, wow, I hadn't even really factored in that they might not have paper at home. I, I know the other week when we were talking with Alfred, um, both you and Alfred had said that you remembered that you had teachers that had inspired you through through school. Mm -hmm. It must be so hard to inspire a kid sort of as difficult as it would be in real life, it must be orders of magnitude harder to do that virtually. I, oh, I don't know how you inspire a kid as a parent I, or as a... I don't know. I, I don't know that inspiring is a thing that happened over teams, particularly because they 
had to be muted unless we asked them to unmute and they also had to not have their videos on. So I was teaching to black squares, like silent black squares. And it meant if you ask a question, you've got no answer and you'd say, well, you can unmute yourself. You can ask me a question. Um, and they'd answer, but they'd answer in the chat. So it was a very one-sided conversation. Mm. And every now and again, you just get like a little tapping away and you'd see comments come up and very disjointed um yeah i think uh one of our teachers did a thing where they were sending emails to kids each week for shout outs and the kids would comment on like kind of what had been brilliant at school that week so lessons teachers um and that was really nice to see that things were making a difference to them they did appreciate it even if they weren't speaking in the lessons they were commenting saying that you know they'd really like this lesson that lesson um particular topics with teachers so you kind of got a sense that it it did make a difference, but it was hard to see sort of at the time in the lessons. I think you um you're almost changing from becoming well. It, I suppose as a teacher, you almost are a presenter in a way, aren't you? A presenter mm. of information and trying to communicate this information across to young individuals. And I suppose having having this wall, this digital wall, put between you, you have to become even a bigger personality. I imagine in some ways because you're trying to get your message across in. You know, especially art, which is is like a physical, you know, you're doing, right? You're making, you're breaking, you're drawing. It's, you know, it's it's so much harder uh, to get that message across. So my mind is blown. I I have a a lot of... Go on, sorry, Tanya. Sorry, I was going to say, I think that's something that's really difficult with the restrictions at the moment, because normally you'd have uh, desks together in big groups, so the kids would all be sat around them. Um, You'd have a lot more sharing, a lot more kind of group work and discussion, um, now they're all sat in rows of single tables. So you've got two or three students to a table and it kind of stops that process. And also the equipment, we'd normally have everything out. So you'd, you'd get paints out, you'd get printmaking equipment out and they'd share everything, they'd touch everything and you'd put it away and then like, a different class could use it. But now, at last week I was painting with year eight. So I was only painting with year eight. None of the other year groups were painting because then I can leave all the equipment and it can be left and cleaned and not be contaminated by different year group bubbles. It's a really weird way of working, isn't it? Mm, it's really so weird. weird. Cause it's such a physical, like practical lesson. That's what I remember from being at school. Not that I remember a lot of school, but I, that's, that's what I remember. I remember it being the kind of thing where you just kind of, you get involved and make it, make it yeah. a mess. Yeah. And bless them. We came back after this lockdown and my year eight so was like, we're doing this lesson drawing, then we're going to paint. And they're like, what actual paint miss? And they're like, yeah. And it paints out and they're like, oh, wow. <laughs> and you think they're so used to working on laptops and just with boring pencils and pens that paint was exciting again. I guess that's kind of good. It's amazing. Mm. It's amazing. It is. It is really amazing. Have they done much um, other stuff like you know, the other practical lessons, is is that all the same? Like, can they get hold of a sewing machine? Are they still, because I'm guessing if paint can be contaminated so, and you have to be weird about it. like Sewing machines, we're having to limit to the exam groups so that we can kind of track who's using them and make sure everything's wiped down and sterilised between classes and kind of just limit that contact with the machines. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's just a really tough way of working you having to think about things that we wouldn't ever have had to think about before during the pandemic the obviously oh i'm getting really bad feedback on my headphones for some reason hang on sorry oh i can hear enough it's all a bit reggae i'm gonna try this yes so thinking about the pandemic um obviously the educational needs of children was uh deeply compromised, I suppose, in some ways. But I think one of the biggest, like, things I noticed from my own daughter was the social element, this this idea of connection between the kids and just playing mm. and how, like, they missed almost, you know, a year and a bit of their, their really important childhood and how, how can we, like, in the next couple of years, condense that so it doesn't feel like this so going to be greatly missed? Or will it, will, will, can we just, like, Kids are quite, I suppose, resilient, and maybe they won't even notice, but I suppose I'm just after your thoughts, really, on that. Um, I work in a secondary school, and I think the 
first time I wasn't so worried. Uh, there was definitely a shift in the tone, I think, with this most recent lockdown. Um, whereas kids kind of enjoyed the one in the summer. They had, a, not all of them, but a lot of them kind of had fun. It was bright, it was sunny out. And this one after Christmas, I think Christmas was kind of ruined. Um, and then it was dark, it was miserable. They were away from their friends. They couldn't even really go out for walks with their friends. And I think there was a much bigger impact on their mental health this time. But coming back into school, they are so resilient. A lot of them have come back in and they've picked up sort of where they left off. Their friendships are still there. Their relationships with us are still there. We've tried to be really consistent. Um, you know, and it's the same always anyway. Like if we're having a bad day, that's put to one side. Like that's not the kid's problem. And I think even more so now, it's been so important to just be normal for them, to be kind of a, a calm presence, a reassuring presence, and just to let them know everything's all right. Yeah, I think just having having somebody who's not flustered and, and, mm. and kind of a calm influence in voice is definitely what kids need now, don't they? Just this reassurance is going to be all right. They're going to come out the other side. I do really hope they're not going to be like a lost generation of kids. Just, I, I wonder if we're going to get to like twenty thirty, and you'll be able to look at the kids and you'll be like, "Oh, that was that was one of the I, one of the COVID kids." I don't think so. I know, I know the government bans that around a lot, like this lost generation. I think a lot of a lot of what they've missed is we're able to catch them up with that. We're able to condense things, particularly with the older kids because they're not having exams, there's time to go back and do things that we didn't do before. Um, and for younger kids, they've got years and years of education ahead of them where all of those gaps will be filled in. So I think I think they'll be fine. I think their relationships with their peers is fine. Like kids are so good at just coming together and it's like they've, they've never been apart. What do you love about teaching then, Daniel? What's the thing that makes oh. you get out of bed in the morning? What's the um, <laughs> nothing Sundays <laughs> I not Daniel obviously with a cup of tea no not so um they are just amazing like kids are incredible and the conversations you have with them and the questions they ask you just you you can't beat it there's and there's a wonder in young people that you don't get so much with adults I mean, you show a you show a kid something they've not seen before, and they're like, "Oh wow, Miss, that's amazing!" They are so impressed, and they just want to try it, and they want to they want to see what they can do. There's none of those sort of hang ups that you've got as a grown up. Um, I think, particularly in the subject I teach, you can show them stuff that they haven't done before that they can access instantly. If I get paints out and I'm like, "Look, you can do this with it," they can run with that. They can they can make something. That's amazing. I, I don't know about you, Paul, but I, I remember what art was like looking back when I was at school and I've seen the stuff that Tanya does. Obviously, I get to see the occasional bit of projects and that kind of stuff. And you'd be amazed. It's, it's not what you remember. You're not, these kids aren't just looking at Vincent van Gogh and then trying to draw a, a, a ball with paint. Like what they're doing is genuinely like a lot more artistic, a lot more creative and a lot more interesting than any of the stuff that, that I was doing when I was a kid. It's, it's so much more modern for me, and than I was doing. I mean, well, for me, I, I went to a comprehensive school in South Wales, and I, the only recollection I have of, is drawing a sunflower, right? And I think, but, but basically, if you couldn't draw, you weren't creative, and mm. or if you couldn't paint, you weren't creative, and you kind of that was it, right? And so, yeah. I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm really disappointed. I, I'm really like because I think I was always creative, uh, even as a child, and. Uh, like, I wish I had an art teacher that would have, like, seen something, even if it wasn't, I couldn't draw. Do you know what I mean? That, yeah. That there was, like, that, that, that was always my greatest <laughs> regret, I suppose, that having, have, getting access to, you know, not, you've got to be realistic. Not every teacher is going to inspire you, right? Not every no, teacher. No, not at all. And, and, and finding, like, your, your goal, I suppose, then, is trying to inspire as many people as possible, right? In, and sometimes that's going to be incredibly difficult. And sometimes, but when it does work and you do, you know, it, it sparks something in somebody and you can just watch it take off. I imagine that's a beautiful, I, I think that's a must, 
wonderful thing, right? It is. It's incredible. And I think I'm realistic. I'm not one of those people that thinks everyone should love art and everyone's going to be inspired, but they're not. Everyone has different things they enjoy. And I know from the start of year seven, there'll be kids that hate it. There'll be kids that don't want to do it and are just desperate for that day when they can drop art. But I want to show everybody, I think, that there might be something creative for you. It might not be drawing. It might not be painting. But it could be textiles. It could be photography. It might not be any of them. And that's fine too. But at least if we give them all the opportunities, they can try everything, see what they like, and know when they choose their options, if they're not doing anything arty, they know they're not missing out because they've tried it. And that's amazing. I, I, I was listening to you speak then and I was thinking to myself how, like, the, the different forms that art takes, right? So it's a wide and varied, I mean, mm. so many different forms it can take and trying to find one that you fall in love with or it does something to you that makes you slow the world down or process information differently or, or see things differently or hear things differently, you know, yeah. it, and, I suppose I'm, I'm was, I was thinking that, that, like, why why wouldn't you want to know that stuff? Like, why wouldn't you want to be like... But I suppose some people, like, it comes much later in life, right? It doesn't... You don't... Like, it's it's so difficult to to know what you want to do when you're that age as well, right? Your life is very malleable and it's, it's ever-changing. And, oh, 100%. I mean, when got, I was at school, it was 50-50 whether I pursued something to do with art or something to do with history, because I loved history. And... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I'd have done if I'd have gone down the history route. Um, but that's something I still love now. But I think I was lucky in that I got to choose a range of subjects. And at my school, I got to try quite a lot of different things as well. So I kind of I kind of knew what I liked by the time I left, which I don't think everyone does. I think it's kind of nice that you've got, like, I'm sure you would have done the same thing with history. There would have still been kids that you inspired and and that wanted to learn stuff but like we've got just in the other room over over there um paul can see me pointing no one else can i don't know why i'm doing it um there's there's a there's a really large painting that one of the um well i was gonna say girls but she's probably a lady now right yeah yeah she'll be in her 20s now i i get to see this work that that comes out of these kids that are kind of inspired and and are we allowed to mention a name this this student is um, just an incredible human being. She she was nervous. She was anxious. She would cry when I used to talk to her. Um, not because I'm a horrible person, just because it all meant so much to her that everything was wrapped up in every piece of work. So if I went over, it was just the anxiety of, oh my God, she's not going to like it. Will she like it? Are they lying to me when they tell me they like it? Um, I feel like you're burying the lead a little bit. And I'm getting there, getting okay. there. She <laughs> was partially sighted. Um, mm. She had no irises um, and her vision was massively deteriorating. She had she had a white stick. She was like technically visually impaired in class as disabled, but would paint these just amazing portraits um, all from really close, like this close, and just do these just incredible things that most people with complete vision can't do. And really wants to go to uni, um, had a lot of support in finding a uni um, from our amazing Senko lady, um, and is now at uni studying illustration um, and in her first year came back to school with this painting for me. She said she'd paint something for me when she left. And I thought she's, there's no way she's going to have time. Um, and just, just bought this beautiful, beautiful painting into school. And that really touched me because I just thought that's time she didn't need to spend. That's, you know, a lot of effort. She traveled from, I think she's in Sheffield or something. Yeah, I think she's up near Sheffield. Um, she'd bought this board painting on the train, on the tube. Just wrapped up in a bit of string. Yeah, tied with <laughs> string all the way to Kent. She obviously doesn't value it because it, it, like, we've had with it like, framed With like tatty now. torn edges by the time she got it to me. And it's just, 
just the most stunning thing. I think because of what it means to me and because of what she what she went through to get to you need to to be an illustrator um and how nervous she she must have been like yeah. you think she was in uh, your room barely able to talk to people without nobody could look at her work without her kind of feeling overwhelmed by yeah. by the anxiety and for her to to go up north and study at uni being partially sighted and i don't i can't imagine what that must be like uh, tanya tanya can you say that's why you teach I mean, oh, that, God, yeah. isn't it, isn't that yeah. must be the most like, that must be the most rewarding, like, I don't think you can get that from any other career. No, no, I don't think so. Um, and like I've said to Dan before, like, it's not, I don't take credit for that at all. That's in those kids. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's really nice to help them on that journey. You unlock it, don't you? You're almost like, you're like the key to the padlock. You're kind of giving them the confidence to, you know, to continue their journey. And I think, we all, I think confidence is one of the, like really, like I think it's in everything, you know, everything you do in photography and music, whatever it is, if you do it with convict, with a bit of conviction, then is, and you do it with somebody saying, you know, actually this is, this is good. This is, we mm. should keep going. And that voice, and you're, yeah, I, I just, I, I think what you do is a magical, special, like I, I, yeah. So I, I had a little tear in my eye when you were talking to me, and I was like getting a little bit emotional. Is that what the kids Yeah, say? I, I, yeah, I get a bit emotional sometimes as well. Um, <laughs> and I think everyone that does a creative subject, not just um, our art disciplines, like all of them, um, I think it's giving students, like you were saying, the confidence to believe they can do it, but also to know that there's a value to creative options. Um, I know when I was at school, I remember my parents who have always been massively supportive of me. I remember them sitting with my art teacher and my dad telling my art teacher that art wasn't a proper subject. And <laughs> I always find it quite ironic that I am now that art teacher. Um, but I, I fully appreciate that for a lot of parents, they are so worried about their kids doing well and succeeding that you would think like, why? Why would you throw your hat into such a kind of, difficult sphere to work in when you could do something safe you could do something more structured and I think it's it's very much down to us to show kids that there is value to it and in the outside world you you can make a living from that you can follow Mm -hmm. your passion and it not just be a hobby yeah and and my when I was younger my grand always I can she, she said to me she said, if you're going to do a job for the rest of your life, make sure you love it. Mm. And and she really meant that. And I, and I get it. I get it as I got older, for sure. But, you know, if if you, to stick at anything for a long period of time, you have to be passionate about it and you have to love it because otherwise, eventually, it'll just die. Yeah. Like a, like a bad flower in a vase, you know, that's been left there for too long. It's kind of, it, it, it takes, I think, you know, Photography for me has always been that. This is a constantly evolving thing that doesn't stay the same. You know, it, it, it moves and it's, it's, you, you're constantly trying to learn a little bit more and that, that evolution. Um, nah, that's what I love about it, I suppose, more than anything else. If there are any parents listening that, um, that are wondering what they're looking for, like in that spark, for that kid, if that is something that you can ignite, like you might have the one that's really anxious, like that kind of stuff. What what kind of thing do you normally spot first? Like, because you see a lot of kids, and I'm imagining that it's probably like one in one hundred, or maybe even less, that actually you see and you think that that kid could carry on with this. There's something there that I think it's interest probably to start with. I think, however quiet or shy or loud a child is they'll be interested, whether that's like Nat, who was very quietly interested, didn't want you to talk to her, didn't want to talk to you, but would eat up any kind of instruction um, and be massively interested in any demonstrations you were giving or artists you were talking about. I think it's noticing where those interests are and encouraging those. I mean, I love it when you see kids come in after a school holiday and be like, oh, I went to this gallery, I went to this museum, I watched this movie. Um, and one of the things we'd set for work in lockdown 
um, was the Netflix documentary Abstracts. Um, the Paula Sher one, the graphic designer, that was amazing. And I've had a year nine who's now obsessed with typography because he saw that and didn't know that letters could be that exciting and is now desperate to do loads more typography. Um, and a year 12 who watched the same thing and was like, oh, miss, like that, that thing, that was really cool. I really like that. Thanks. And I was like, oh, that's good. I was like, there's more of them. You could watch more. <laughs> um, and I think just when they've got an interest, just run with it. That's your other secret uh, nerdy passion, isn't it? Like the guilty pleasure, the ty- typography. Yeah, I do, I do love a nice typeface. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a friend, John Evans, um, and he's a graphic designer, freelancer. And we'll try and get John on. He's another Welshman. Um, and he's, he loves typography. It's his thing. I'll send you his portfolio. Oh, yeah. He's done some stuff for the Olympics out in, is it Japan? Tokyo? Yeah. Yeah. So he's been doing some stuff. Yeah. He's oh, fantastic. Really Mind blowingly good, but he's very, he's very modest as well, John. He's like, he's like, if you speak to him, he's kind of, Oh, hi, Paul. How's it going? I've been working on this stuff for the Olympics. <laughs> like, John, are you not that enthusiastic about it? Oh, it's really good. Well, you could show some enthusiasm in the in your tone of your voice, John. I said, no. <laughs> Bloody <laughs> font nerds. <laughs> but he loves fonts. Oh, no, he loves it's, typography. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a thing that I kind of love. And I do always, whenever I teach it, I do tell the students in graphics that please don't use lots of decorative fonts. They've, they've got a place. But I don't want to see loads and loads of paragraphs in curls or comic sans. I was going to say, stay away from comic sans. Yeah, please, please do stay away from it. Um, (laughs) Papyrus. I've I've told a lot of students, they'll show me a font. I'm like, no, you can't use that one. They're like, why not? I'm like, I die a little bit inside every time I see it. I die a little bit inside. Do you think the person that invented comic sans just looks at it now and is like, oh no. I hope they feel really guilty. Do you think it's like the person that um, wrote the birdie song? It's almost like an oil slick in a in a in a beautiful bunch of words. It's horrible. It is. It's horrible. It's, it's the primary me. school font. It's the one I'm that ne- everything in a primary school is typed in. <laughs> Never used it. <laughs> it's going in your book, isn't it, Paul? Absolutely. Yeah, the Waddle Trail. <laughs> <laughs> it's all going to be Comic Sans. For you, Dan, I'll do your Comic Sans version. Just a one-off, right? It'll be worth <laughs> millions one day. The when cor- you open it. Only if you give me a few punk chords when I open the cover, it goes, <laughs> yeah, okay, you're on. Yeah. It's well worth it. I'm up for that. I, for I that. was, I was going to set you a challenge. Can you, um, interpret the sound of water flowing through a punk guitar? <laughs> through a punk guitar? I'll just pour a pint of beer or something on a, on a guitar <laughs> while it's plugged in, see what happens. Like that video I sent you last week where those guys hammering the, oh, the piano. piano. Yeah. 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 I showed, I showed yeah. you that one, didn't I? That was really cool. Yeah, it was really interesting. I'd um, I'd never really considered how they make those kinds of noises before, and it's, it's. I mean, it's got to be really expensive to destroy a piano every time you want a weird sound for a game. <laughs> I don't really do it every single time. <laughs> <laughs> they, they've got they've got Microsoft money. I don't know what the hell they like. <laughs> they've got a base. They go on what's that? Uh, Craigslist basically every week and try and collect a few. They give them away. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I I went through a really long phase of buying all of the musical instruments. Um. Tanya's very loudly nodding over there. Pianos is one of those things that I think because it takes up a lot of room and like you have to pay a lot of money to get someone in to tune a piano or change the strings and stuff. If you go on to like the, uh, what's it called? The Gumtree or the Facebook version of Gumtree, whatever that's called. Like people are just giving pianos away. If you can get to someone's house to collect it, often they'll just give you a piano. We don't want one though. Are you sure? Yeah. We could get one. Actually, guys, I'm coming next week. I've got something, a little present for you. (laughs) (laughs) We're not in. (laughs) I thought thought we'd do a new pod, we call it Making Sounds with Dan and Pan. (laughs) I'm there. I do not have a musical bone in my body. Um, Me neither. I I, I try to play guitar, right? I've been trying to learn guitar since I was about 16. No word of a lie now. Me too. (laughs) And um, I think when I'm older, I'll be able to give it a bit more time, but I'm awful. My my wife says, put it away every time we bring it out. But the kids like it. I can, you know, I can play Happy Birthday and a few wheels well, on the good. bus. You'll have to teach me a thing or two. <laughs> you you but, can play Wheels on the Bus. Yeah. Okay, well, that's one more song I can play. <laughs> we should be in a band, Paul. <laughs> yes, me. What are we going to call our band? The Wheels Comic on the Sans. Bus. <laughs> <laughs> Comic Sans <laughs> goes crazy. Comic Sans <laughs> fan club. 
Um, I did learn, um, I started to learn when I was in primary school in London, that's how London my primary school was, um, the still pan. And oh. I could play a little bit of Little Mermaid. Oh, nice. Yeah. Under the sea, that one? <laughs> yeah, that Under one. Under <laughs> the sea. <laughs> Darling, it's wet. Where is it better? Oh, see, look. <laughs> my daughter loves it. I, I, I know all the words. Yeah, oh. yeah, sure, your daughter. <laughs> <laughs> she's like dad not the little mermaid again please oh, <laughs> dad this is the fourth time this week you've made me watch the little mermaid come on Rose, just one more time <laughs> i just like the songs <laughs> my sister used to be able to do all of the um like every single line in greece it's impressive like, i've I, seen but all it's... of the characters all of the singing yeah. me all and my the sister, dialogue i grew up listening honestly now my sister it made me watch it multiple times, multiple, and Calamity Jane. We just yeah. flew in from the windy city, the windy city. You know, I'm not going to tell you, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I have a lot of musical, and I don't know what that is. I, I, I love a musical. You know, give me, give me. I've got a friend. I said to you before, he's in The Lion King. Gary, he's a bit of another Welsh guy. He's a bit of a, he's a bit more uh, extravagant than Darwood John. He's a bit. All right, boys, how's it going? Gary, you? <laughs> yeah, I'm in a bloody Lion King, ain't I? Yeah, I suppose you you've got to be, haven't you? Yeah, he, he is very much a character. So Gary comes alive, basically. I'll, we'll try and get Gary on as well. Gary yeah, we should get fun. Gary on. Um, when, when you do get Gary on, please ask Dan to explain to him what happened when we went to see the Lion King. Um, I, I did mention this. You did? I did mention oh, this. Good. <laughs> um, we... Obviously, anyone. Are we going to give that's... this away now? Can can we save this and then when we speak to Gary, I'll tell the story because it's so cut it out. I just really want to tell Paul. <laughs> okay, yeah, cool. yeah, tell me. Um, you... So we're we're watching The Lion King. Obviously, anyone that's ever seen it knows. <laughs> <laughs> just give me one second. There's somebody at my door. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> in your garden? Yeah. Well, my other door. I can see them. They're like a mile away, knocking. Give me a sec. I might leave that in. No, cut it. Cut it, cut it, because it'd be really, it'd be really interesting. Maybe when we have the conversation with this Gary guy, I'll get you in. <laughs> you, you can tell the story again, just for that bit. You really love that. I don't know how that story went to you. I, I don't know. It didn't. The other two didn't go. What happened to the other two? The, the pig and the weasel, or whatever it was. The warthog and the meerkat. Yeah. Very unobservant for a photographer. <laughs> Wait, unobservant. <laughs> I was really observant. The... He's back. He's back. So yeah, yeah, you've heard my um, you've heard my embarrassing story. Well, I can't the believe King. the Lion King thing, Dan. I mean, also I... when we saw Wicked, the interval came round. Oh, Dan was that got the first musical. Yeah, he got all of his stuff, and I went, "What are you doing? He went, Isn't that the end?" Went, no. <laughs> it felt like it should Mate, be the you fucking wish. end. <laughs> I thought you were a cultured man, but that, getting out of the well, the first interval of Wicked. Yeah. No, I, I'm, <laughs> he did I'm not, not enjoy it. He did not enjoy it at all. No, and I'm also really not cultured. I'm the, the least cultured <laughs> man you've ever met in your life. But as cultured as a yogurt, you bet. <laughs> <laughs> I've got less culture than a yakko. Yes. yes. Um, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, musicals aren't really my thing. I know you're a big fan of Calamity Jane, but oh, I love it. I love a musical. What's that one that was out recently with um, Ryan Gosling? Um, um, you know, oh, La La Land. La La Land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. Okay. Different Ryan. Okay. See, <laughs> see, I don't, I don't know anything about anybody. <laughs> Different Ryan. Yeah, come on, mate. That's that's my other terrible confession. Oh, I've he got doesn't to make know who any famous people I, are. I, I don't. So when we had uh, David David Cummings on the other week. And he was reeling off all these massively famous people in the UK. I did not know who any of them were. <laughs> not a single one. It's like he lives under a rock. I do live under a rock. <laughs> and yeah, I've got a question for you. Yeah. Talk to me about, okay, so you're, you're, you're taking off your, your teacher hat now mm-hmm. in your home and you're in your creative, like you're in your space where you've got this time to create. What do you like to create? If you can, do you have, Ooh. like, what's your, what's your thing? I like to draw. I find drawing really relaxing. Um, you know, I didn't for ages. I used to like pencil drawing. And then a few years ago, I started using coloured pencils and now mainly do that. Um, I went through a big spate of not really doing anything. And then I went to a workshop with an artist that I love, who we bought a print by um, quite a few years ago now, just a small print. And then I saw he was doing a workshop and I was like, 
brilliant, I'll go and do that. And that kind of spurred me on to try more messy kind of painterly techniques um, and really kick-started me making work again. Because before that, I think it had been about three years, I'd not done anything. I'd not drawn anything apart from examples for school. And that really kick-started my love of drawing again. And since then, I think that must have been 2018, maybe, I've I've just kept, I've kept drawing. I've not drawn for a little while now. The, the first lockdown, I drew a lot. And then the second one, I think I lost the will to do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found it the second, this last, this last lockdown being tougher. Mm-hmm. Like, I was the first one I was out all the time. But this, this, I slowed down a bit this last. I think the job, I've been the job one, but it slowed me down as well. But I, I haven't been out as much shooting as I'd like. Um, and I get a bit antsy when I don't. That's for me, that's why it just makes me, just calms me down when I don't get to do it. I can get a little bit, you know, all right, mate. Yeah, I do down. find if I haven't done it for a while and then I do it, I I enjoy doing it so much. I think, well, why haven't I been doing this? Yeah, of course yeah. I should have made time for this. Yeah, that's what I feel like when I read as well. When I like mm. when I'm reading and my wife watches and like, what does she make me watch? And forgotten. Have you seen that? It was this ITV thing. No, I it's basically seen it. about um, historic murders. Basically, it's a drama. Okay. And, it's, and it's it's not bad. It's not it's not great. It's not bad. And I, I find myself just slipping off into the other room and reading when she puts TV on. I kind of like mm-hmm. getting into that, that yeah. kind of, you know, space where you can just, I don't know. I, we're always connected these days, TVs, phones, you know, it's always like I feel like sometimes it's just nice to be without technology when i'm going out and this is what i was going to say when i go out taking pictures now i don't go with my phone anymore done you don't you leave it at home leave it at home no phone yeah i'm finding it less like just focus on what you're you're out there for rather than you know even i quite like getting lost and trying to find my way back it's quite good fun that it's incredibly difficult nowadays as well yeah I've, i've tried it a few times and i think the problem is is you kind of always it's incredibly hard to lose your bearings you kind of always know which way's up. Like you... And damn the pigeon Higginson. <laughs> <laughs> he did get lost in the woods um, I did, in the wasn't... first lockdown. Well, you got lost in Wigan and Lion King. So. <laughs> <laughs> he said he didn't get lost afterwards, but I did get a text saying, I don't know how to get home. And to my mind, that's lost. <laughs> lost. <laughs> right. Yeah, so I knew... right. The, the lay of the land. I, oh God, I constantly need to justify myself in this episode. It's horrific. <laughs> right, so the lay of the land is there's like a big chalk cliff where the woods are. So there's some woods opposite our house, and that's where I was walking. So the problem wasn't that I didn't know where I was. It was that you don't know how far you have to walk to get to the next pathway to get back down this big chalk cliff. That oh, was my issue. I knew exactly where said I was. You didn't know how to get home. Yeah, I didn't know how to get home. <laughs> Let me give you a real good tip. If you take a real long piece of string with you, <laughs> leaving breadcrumbs. Bread <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still a Gretel. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, yeah, I wasn't lost. But I, I, yeah, it's just finding your way. <laughs> Stop fucking nodding. <laughs> I, I was going to ask you something about creative posts because you mentioned that you stopped for a bit and then you started. And I always find when when I stop, for a little while and then I go back into it. It always takes me this period of time before almost get into this like I, I hate calling it flow state, but you know what I mean? Mm. Where you're you're not thinking, it's just happening. You're mm. very observant, you're everything you're taking in, like everything. And I think that's why and maybe maybe ADHD and photography has some like you you're you're they work together in a way because, like, that's what you want to be able to do, isn't it? With photography, is being able to absorb all your surroundings and try and process them. And, and I suppose similar. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think uh, I can't remember which episode it was where you were talking about projects, and I think that definitely helps having something to focus on when you come back to it. Um, where I've not really done anything for a little while, I'm going to start a book. I made a book for my sister's little boy for his first birthday, which was, when was that? Just over a year ago. And I made him an alphabet. And when I was doing that project, that was really lovely. So that every time I sat down, I kind of knew, okay, so it's going to be this letter and I'm going to illustrate this animal or this object. Um, and it got that process started a lot quicker. Um, and I'm going to start one for her 
little girl now so that I can get that done for her first birthday. And I think having a goal in mind and having kind of some parameters is going to really help kickstart that and get that process rolling a bit quicker. Nice, Tan, nice. And obviously there's your book as well. I just want to get you right on the hook now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I've, I've, I've seen some of this work that's happening. <laughs> Look at that face. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, 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 so I'm, I, I think the April is li- literally going to be, I'm, I've got a project I'm doing work-wise commercial work and I'm just commissioned work done. Sorry, commissioned me. Eh? Commissioned work. Got, I, I don't know which one's which anymore. <laughs> I've got a commission project that I'm shooting basically sort of at the end of this month. And that's basically going to take up all of my time between now, I think, and the end of April. And then I'll have to process it afterwards. So I think beginning of May, I should have a bit of time to go through. I've printed everything out. I've laid it all on the floor. I've chosen my first cut. I've put it into a kind of a maquette. I've done that and I've gone back. I've shown it to some people, got some feedback. Um, and I've been shooting a little bit more, not too much, just a little bit more. Um, and I'll probably shoot for May. I'd like to, like the end of lockdown and when loads of people come together, maybe to be the ending of the book or some way. I don't know. Mm. I don't really want it to be about COVID either. So I, I don't know. I'm kind of locked in two minds about that, but I like this idea of somehow there being a mass of people. You know, somewhere where you, I can get to photograph them almost from above. Like I was thinking maybe with a drone, something, something like that. I, I just kind of like this idea of a coming together of everybody, you know, like a, almost a sunsetty, bright oranges kind of feel. Interesting. But I don't know. It's just an idea. Uh, but, but yes, I'm hoping, I'm, I'm hoping to have it my final, final, final by the end of May that I can show to you people again get a little bit more rounded feedback and then try and get it out to a few publishers, see if I can get any bites out of it. If not, put it out there myself, you know. Um, I'm definitely going to put this one out. The wife is fully on board. So <laughs> <laughs> You've convinced the wife. Yeah, yeah. So, so, what is a maquette? Sorry, is that like, like a, a kind rough of... version? We get kids to make them as well. Right. It's not like a type of monkey or something? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> thinking of a macaque macaque yes <laughs> I, sometimes I get confused with that as well I, I know I was sat there thinking that's very clever he's, <laughs> he's managed to get some some clever monkey to help him out of his book <laughs> no so I, I, I hope so I've also been in between like so in between that, I've, that whilst we were young stuff the Ministry of Sound Nightclub stuff I've been like I've, I've, I've Roman gives me the 80 gigs and I dropped that into a a new Lightroom catalogue, and I've been going through that when I have a little bit of time, just starring them and pulling them into one side. And I've already got about 900 stuff. But then I'm like, okay, there's too many. And so I've got to go through it again. Because um, I, you know, I, it's terrible. I love, I'm, maybe I'm a narcissist. I love my work. <laughs> no, but that's I like the, the actual. I've got the complete opposite problem. <laughs> Every time I look at it, I was like, oh God, none of this is good enough to make no, it. No, that, that's what I feel like most of the time in truth. But I, I think, yeah, I like, I like to make a sort of a wider first cut, but then I can narrow, I like keep narrowing, narrowing, narrowing. And I know some people work the other way where you start with your best and then you just keep it tight. But yeah, I, 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 I always. That's what keep, we do with kids' work as well. Well, start wide and go narrow, yeah. narrow, narrow. Yeah, I think it helps. I, for me, that's how my brain works. I think I just, think having an idea and then you've got all of these images that, that fit in with it in, in in a way. I mean, they all were shot grainy, black and white, like we said. So they're all that, like I've taken that element out of it. You know, there's no, I mean, I got the raw files, so I could choose to colour, but it does, because of mixed lighting in nightclubs, it's, it's not, it was, I didn't, like people with purple faces and orange teeth, and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe nice, but I think it's definitely, it, it looks more real. It's, it's and it's of time is that this when i look at it now i think wow this it does feel like you know and i i don't know this is the other thing i think if i leave it a bit longer the longer i leave this body of work like when it comes out it'll have more impact i think like that's my thinking with it like so if i leave it another 10 years for instance (laughs) i think the interesting thing with that is because it was never meant to be um it was always meant to be black and white, so I'm 100% there with you. I think you should leave it black and white. Yeah. But because it was, it's not going to carry on, right? You're not still out there shooting this. So you could pull it together now and just see how it feels. And then if you want to sit on it for another decade, then do that. But I don't know. I, 
I think you could just crack on with it, to be honest. You know I should. Everybody <laughs> says, I, I'm very, very much a, um, what's that word? A procrastinator. <laughs> I think I it's tough, though. I think it's really hard to know. Because then it's final, isn't it? Once you've done it, that's it. That's how it's gone out. So I think it's hard to kind of pull the trigger and go, okay, now it's finished. Yeah, I, I find that really difficult. I've always found that really difficult. Like that, when, when you know, because you can always go out and take another picture. You can always, mm. you know, you can... Uh, yeah, it's, it's especially on this, this Wondle project. It's, it's... It'd be interesting to know when that starts because we have the complete opposite problem with students they are nearly always finished far before you think they're finished <laughs> you'll look at a picture or a painting or something and they'll be like i've done it and you're like no you haven't no, <laughs> no that needs a that needs a good few hours more work yeah. um so yeah i don't i don't think i've ever really thought about that before when does that come in because i know as adults we do procrastinate and we're not sure when stuff is done, but kids are adamant when things are finished. Well, do you think it becomes from because we care about our peers and what people think of the work and then... Yeah, possibly. I think there's a lot of... I mean, let's be fair, right? If you're a photographer and you're making a book, there's millions of them out there. Lots of people are making books and they're all of different levels and qualities. Um, But but if you're... I think this is true. If you've been following photography and you you care about it with the passion and you're interested, then you over time this knowledge builds and you know what's good, what's average, what's been put a lot of effort into, and what what hasn't. Like, and the things that make a good book from the things that make an okay book, um, they're, they're small differences, right? They're tiny things. But again, it's, I've said this before, but it is all it's a culmination of all of these things, you know, from the paper to the to the fonting to the graphics to the design to all of them coming together, so you know it, it works. And you can't do. I don't think you can do that quickly mm. if you really want to do something that no. maybe has some meaning. You know, I think it's a slow. I know some people work quick, but I, I and like I have this problem. I've we talked about it in the past of like shooting a gun too early. Like you've been a photographer for three years and you've got. 20,000 followers on Instagram and somehow, somehow, you know, you're doing your best work at that. And I, I think it's almost, it's very rare for you to be instant. And there are, there are exceptions, absolutely. But I think they're outliers. Like, I think, you know, to become good at anything, it, it takes time, it takes effort. And it that's takes... a really interesting point. Like, we definitely struggle with kids' confidence in their ability, but also that need to rush things and get them finished. Um, it's a constant battle of they're seeing things on Instagram all the time. They see finished pieces of work. And we had a parents evening recently and I was talking to a few different parents of kids who are really underconfident in their work, but they're actually quite good at art and explaining that they need to kind of realize that you see something on Instagram, you're generally seeing the finished version or the best of about 50 and you're seeing what they want you to see. So you're not seeing all the, rough versions all the scribbled out things the all the mistakes yeah all the practice the testing the things that didn't work so you get this idea that every time someone put all the macaques yeah that every time someone puts pencil to paper it's a masterpiece and it's just not and that's not how things work in real life i was really inspired by what nico had said when we spoke to nico the other week and he was saying about um you know he doesn't he doesn't really give a shit if he's got to wait another 10 years before he puts something out as a book. And I think it must be incredibly difficult for, well, I've got no following at all on Instagram. Like no one gives a shit what I'm doing, but he's got, he's got a few thousand followers and it must be really tempting when you're at that point in your career to just cash in and bolt out the gates too early. It, it must be really tempting because who knows if in 10 years, anybody will give a shit what you're really? doing. Totally. It, it's got to be. I like, think that that's patience. why you've got to do stuff for you, isn't it? You've got to do stuff that you like and not really care what other people think. That was the impression I got from Nico. I, I know you've not had a chance to listen to that yet, Tanya, but no. um, that was the impression I got from him. Like, he's not working for me and Paul. He's working for he's working for Nico, and I don't think he's gonna. He doesn't seem to give a shit less whether or not whether or not anyone's interested in what he's doing. He, I think he would be doing that regardless of if he had Instagram followers or not. Totally, totally, I agree. That's a nice little shout-out for you there, Nico. 
Loving, we love you, Nico. I'm done. My wife is waving at me furiously from the kitchen. I, I think she wants me to come in. I think. You, how many fingers is she waving at you with, Paul? Five minutes. <laughs> yeah, I think I think she needs me. So okay, shall we should we quickly do shout outs or do yes, you need let's to do run a, in? Yes, let's do a quick shout out. Let's do a quick shout out. You want to go first, Paul? Yes. Okay. I'm I'm going to go with. Um, Ben Howard this week, and he's released uh, a song called Rookery, basically, and it's from the album Collections from the Whiteout. And it's just a really, I don't know if you know anything about Ben Howard, but he may be a bit folky for you, Dan. I know when I send you a bit of folk music in the past, you go, oh my God, please don't send me that <laughs> I was stuff. obsessed with the song The Wolves in like 2012, I think, when that came out. Yeah. You're yeah. the second person to have um, recommended this to me this week as well really like it really like it i just i'm a big ben howard i love i love so basically there's a connection so my friends who are all uh welsh surfers um they're in a band called the blims basically um and they're really good friends with ben they played with him and stuff and so ben was a big surfer and they're big surfers and they all hung out i think in france one summer and got very drunk so i don't know him personally but two you know one one step away (laughs) I'm going to have to check that out. I've I've had people tell me it's not quite as folky as the other stuff. Um, um, a, f- a friend of mine, Danny, was telling me that it's a little bit more shoegazy than yeah, than, yeah. than the other stuff. So you never know. That that did pique my curiosity. The idea of it being a bit more shoegazy. I, I do like a bit of shoegaze. Shoegazing is good, Dan. It is. It is. Do you want to go first, or shall I go first? I'm happy to go next. So my shout out is a book called The Organic Painter by Khan Griffiths. Um, This has got a nice connection to school, actually. He is the artist I was talking about when I said I went to a workshop and that kick-started me making my own things again. Um, He also is a lovely human being and he came into school and did a workshop with our students and he works in calligraphy ink, um, paints with things like tea, alcohol, and just makes the most beautiful images. And he he really inspired our students. And this book is a really lovely kind of step-by-step of how to use the techniques that he used in his work. I would strongly recommend it. Yeah. And Khan, if you do end up listening to this, mate, we've got your work hanging up in our house and it's beautiful. So if you want to come on the podcast, I'd love to chat because I know you obviously know Tanya already, but I'd, I'd very much like to meet you. Okay. His work is really, really nice. It's, okay. it's really unique. It's kind of unlike anything you might have seen oh, before. wow yeah amazing it is amazing but it's all like tea and gin and yeah, yeah they're just stunning they're really really beautiful and there's not really anyone else that works like this i've not seen anything similar no no i can't think of anything that's quite like it it's really nice um so my shout out this week is it is uh, edward thompson edward thompson it's uh, atlas of infrared plates of of the unseen so anybody into photography or anybody into film photography may have heard about the the film that just sees infrared colours. Um, I can't remember what the guy's name was. There was a guy that covered a war in the Congo. Richard Moss. Richard Moss. Thank you, Paul. Um, it's that film. And it was the last few roles of that film that Ed Hook could get hold of. Um, Aerochrome, right? Aerochrome, I think it is. Yeah, that rings a bell. I think it was like developed in the world in world war ii i think to try mm-hmm. and they they would take pictures out of planes and obviously they could see what what was real trees and and what was um and what was camouflage because the trees come out bright red i've met ed so when i bought this book ed's fairly local to me i bought it from ed um and he actually told me that when when he shot this book i think he did it on some obscenely low number of um of roles of this film most of the photos from all of these roles are in the book so you're really not you're not really seeing much in terms of um edit it's it's all in there and they're just really amazing some of them are like landscapey there's like some portraity kind of stuff in there um i think there's some stuff from chernovel it's a really beautiful book um and i actually told ed that i was going to get that i was going to give him this this shout out and he said that um, if anybody goes to the website there's a there's a comments box at the bottom on the order page and he said that if anybody does buy this and they mention that they've heard about him through this podcast he'll throw in a free print which is incredibly cool of him and it's well worth picking up if you haven't got it it's it's kind of unlike 
mm. most of the other stuff in my collection is just nice. really cool. So yeah, that's that's my shout out. So I think we've made it to the end of the episode. Woohoo! Thank you, Tanya. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. I really nice enjoyed that. I really, that was really nice, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, it was nice. I it feel was. like I met you a little bit more. <laughs> we should do this again sometime. We should do. Yeah, we should definitely do it again. We should do maybe when we get Gary on. Um, yeah, your your mate Gary, that's in the Lion King. Tanya can come on and tell my embarrassing just, story just from the Lion King. Because I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna get Gary on. Oh, I don't know why, but my recording is not recording. Oh, why is it? Stopped? Do you know when it stopped? No. When did it stop? That one oh. minute in. <laughs> <God>. Jesus. <No. laughs> Let, let's let's wrap up and we'll see if we can rescue this. So that's all the time we've got for this week. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening in. I don't think we've got anything at all planned for next week, Paul, have we? No, no, but let me let me see what I can do with my magical calendar. Thank you, everybody. Catch you next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Very nice to speak to you, Paul. And you, Tanya. I'm going to go because she's having a fit, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> see you later. I love you guys. <laughs>